2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10. If you would please follow in the reading of the Word of God. On behalf of such a man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from doing this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, help us to understand your purposes in our suffering. As we look at this wonderful man, Paul, and we think of what he endured and the heartache that he endured, and yet he never wavered. Father, I pray that each of us would see this and gladly step forward. Help us, Lord, to understand that what happens in our lives, whether on the spiritual plane or on the physical plane, is to your purpose. And that, Father, may we see your grace. May that grace we understand be sufficient. And, Father, may we understand that in our weaknesses is when we are strong. Help us, Father. Help us. In Christ's name, amen. This is, section is in the context of spiritual warfare. Okay, speculations and lofty things raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. We always got to keep that in mind. Because what will happen inevitably is that if you go through a tough time, someone's going to think that you're doing something wrong and God is exposing that you're doing something wrong. Job's friends do it. I have seen it with dear friends of mine when they, they were passing away or had serious illnesses. Some brilliant Einstein would walk up and say, well, what did you do wrong? And the reason is, is most people believe that if you're a Christian, then you are in a bed of rose petals and life is just tiptoeing through the tulips. And that's not true. Because I will use Spurgeon's quote. You believe you should be hauled out as a hero when they carried your king out on a cross. And Jesus told us himself that the world hated me. Therefore, all right, they will hate you. It's just amazing to me. What we're looking at in 5 through 10 is basically God's use of suffering. And there's five things here that you can see that God uses suffering. Now listen, I want you to be real careful about this. Your suffering is for you. Okay, I have heard this said, 
You know, I'm suffering so you will learn. No, it ain't. Okay? Your suffering is for your faith to grow. Please understand that. Because I, you know, it's just sort of like Adam said, you made her. Okay? No, you, you can't blame it that way. Okay? And, and, and I, I try to get people to understand this. So it's in the context of these first five verses. The first five verses, he speaks of his trip to heaven. All right? And even though he went to heaven, okay, you see what God was doing through an earthen vessel. We're looking at verse 6 because the first thing that we find is God uses suffering, all right, to reveal your and my spiritual condition or your spiritual character. All right? Because when the when you squeeze it, what comes out? All right? And the, to, to the degree of the pressure will be the degree of the revealing of the spiritual condition. All right? That's why I say when you're in suffering... It ain't for me. Now, I'll take notes. Okay? But it ain't for me. It may be God's revealing your spiritual condition to us. Alright? And that's just something that you have to be aware of. Alright? He started off, he says, I will boast, but not on my behalf. I will not boast. Except in regard to my weaknesses. What was his weakness? To keep me from exalting myself. What do they call that? Pride. And I know none of us deal with pride. That's fine. All right. But when the pressure comes on, you might want to ask yourself, is this a little pride issue? Okay. Or as Solomon said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Okay. And and it's just it's just one of those things, uh, you know. I don't want to boast or anything because I'm actually humble. So therefore, I'll tell you this. What? Okay, I had a guy tell me, look me straight in the eyes, straight faced. At first, I thought it was a joke. I'm proud of my humility. Well, hallelujah. I'm proud of your humility too. Okay, I have people say, well, you never commend anybody. You know what? I don't have to. We all pat ourselves on the back. Okay? If I pat you on the back, it might be the Heimlich maneuver or something. Or, or reverse CPR. Okay? Sometimes I'm dyslexic. All right? I push on the back, see if I can come forward. All right? I, 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 that drives me nuts. Because why do you want accolades? If you're doing what you're supposed to, Right now, you got to remember. I also came. Uh, I went to Ohio State when Woody Hayes was the coach. If you don't know Woodrow, uh, you have missed a joy of life. Uh, when I was in the the freshman welcoming class, we were coming in. He gave a speech to the freshmen. Okay, and you're like, "This is Woody Hayes, man." I mean, you listen. We'll listen to what Woody Hayes said. And one of the lines, and I don't remember what he said, but I remember this part. He says, "You show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser." And you're like, wow, dude, <laughs> you know I'm not playing football, right? <laughs> so anyway, but I, I, re, I remember him, one of, one of the games, 
uh, I don't remember, wide receiver running back, scored a touchdown. And he spiked the ball. And Woody Hayes ran down the sideline when the guy was coming off, grabbed him by the face mask, and started shaking his head like this. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> okay? Afterward, he did a news conference, and he says, that's what he gets, he's here for, is to score touchdowns. And I want him to act like he does this so regularly, it's no big deal. You're like, oof, oof, oof. Okay? When I see people walking with Christ, it should be no big deal. That should be the norm. And if you've got to have somebody come and say, hey, that was great. You got a problem. You got a problem. Be careful. Paul says, I only will boast in my frailty. In my weakness. And one of the things that I have to deal with is pride. And my pride can get in the way so easy. God has staked my flesh with a messenger from Satan. To show me his grace is sufficient. Now I want you to think about that. He was tearing up, allowing a demon to tear up a church to keep the pastor humble. Okay? What side of the list do you want to be on? Be real careful. Paul said, I would be a fool like them, like the false, like the accusers, the false apostles who were in Corinth. If I speak of it, it will only, only thing that I will speak of will be truth. It's, it's, I hear it today. It is amazing to me how pastors will always round up. You know, I had a group of, it must have been 150. When he could count them and it was 61. Okay, but they'll round it up. I want you to know how big it was. You know what, I remember, uh, I was talking to Hank Smith yesterday. And, and he said, tell me about Azerbaijan. And I told him some things about it. And I said, you know what's amazing is I taught every pastor in the country. Every pastor in a whole country. He said, well, how many was there? 21. <laughs> okay. You know, everybody, that's all of them. That's it. Actually, there was a couple of other people who were deacons, but I did get every pastor. All right. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? We always think, you know, well, let's, it's like baptisms. Well, you know, I must have baptized, I don't know, 30 or 40 people. Let me tell you something about a pastor. If he doesn't know exactly how many baptisms he's done to the number, he's got a problem. He's got a problem. Because I can tell you how many baptisms I've done in 21 years. I can also tell you how many marriages I've done. Now, I can't tell you how many funerals because they tend to outnumber all of them. So I've, I've lost count on the funerals. But, but I, I share this with you because I watch people exaggerate it up. Why is that? Paul says, the only thing I'm going to tell you is what is true. I know this is what it is. Paul said, you know what? I did go to heaven. 
That is true. And I never spoke of it for 14 years. For me to deny that would be false humility. And you know what? One thing that I do know about the Apostle Paul, emphatically, he did not have false humility. He already stated here, and we've already looked at it, that he struggled with exalting himself. And if you think about it, yeah. I don't know how you guys came to Christ, but did you see Jesus on the Damascus Road and was blind for three days and have Ananias make your eyes see again? I mean, that's, you know, how'd you get saved? Well, you ain't going to believe this. <laughs> it was a dandy. Okay? I mean, that alone would make us puffed up. And then say, well, you know, I went up to heaven. I don't know if it's in the body or out of the body. God knows. I don't know how it works. But I went up to paradise. I don't know. Things I've seen up there, we don't have even words in the human language to explain. It doesn't matter anyway, because you know what? I'm not allowed to talk about it. What did you do last week? <laughs> you know? And we're, <laughs> you know, I'm just hanging out in heaven, waiting for the return trip. Look at verse 6. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain. Why? As the fools would say, I will speak the truth. Because the fools are telling you that, you know what? I've had visions. The fools are running around telling you, I had revelations. We hear it today. God told me. Right? I hear it. You know, God spoke to me. You know, I remember uh, in 04, I think it was, I was preparing to go to Israel. And, and it was going to be a blast because I was going to go straight from the Shepherds Conference and actually catch the plane in Los Angeles and go to Tel Aviv. And I was like, man, you know, this, this is when Jesus shows back up because, you know, I'm going to go from the Shepherds Conference to Israel. All right. It's, this, this won't be too bad. OK. And so people were finding out in the community that I'm going to Israel. And it was amazing because it seemed like everybody in Castle Rock had been to Israel. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be the last guy going, it looks like, because everybody else has been there. And they all had some kind of experience. And so when I left Israel, the only experience I had is I had picked and peeled a blood orange and ate it. That was the extent of my experience. Although there was one time when a, a Sikorsky gunship flew by when I was standing in an amphitheater in Caesarea and the guys was hanging out the window waving at me. And I sort of looked at that as an experience. I mean, you know, look at these guys. All right. But I didn't, the clouds didn't move. Dude, I didn't see nothing like that. I didn't hear voices. I didn't walk on water. I didn't even get in the Dead Sea. That thing stinks. It's, it's got an odor to it. And they got this black stuff that everybody smears on themselves. And I don't care what anybody tells me. It smelled like sewage. And they said, but it's great for your skin. And you're like, what? But they had this lotion and you could buy the lotion. And so I was like, I'll get some of this and bring it home. And I thought, 
I bring home stuff that looks like roofing tar, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get beat ragged. And so I squirt it out in my hand. It's white. Wait a minute. That stuff over there by the lake is black. What are you doing with this white stuff? That was my experience. That and smoking a hookah. You know what a hookah is? <laughs> I'd already smoked its relative, the American version of a hookah. It's called a water pipe. <laughs> um, in Israel, it's called a hookah. And they smoke dried uh, fruit. Uh, apricots, um, oranges, apples, cherries. Anything that's a fruit, they dry them out and they load it up there with a little chunk of charcoal and they smoke it. So my bus driver was fascinated that a pastor knew how to smoke a hookah. <laughs> I've seen this before. Well, I watched the Learning Channel. I want to show you something here. He says, I do not want you to boast that we'll not be foolish. Okay, I'm not going to be like those who brag. I'm not going to be like those who make up stuff. I'm not going to be like those who uh, use hyperbole. You know what hyperbole is? Exaggeration for the sake of effect. That's like when a guy said, there was a zillion of them. What does that mean? A bunch. Okay. Okay, that's more than a national debt. All right. But you see people use this and, and, and he says, I'm not going to do that. I ain't going to do that. And I will refrain from doing this. All right. I'm only going to tell you this is truth. It may not be as exciting. All right. Listen, now, this next phrase is massive in this day and age in Castle Rock, Colorado. Look what he says. So that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Did you get that? Listen, his enemies were claiming visions. His enemies were claiming revelations. And I run into this weekly in Castle Rock. God told me. Or, or, they're getting a little more with me. They understand that if it ain't in the Bible, shut up. That God revealed to me. Okay. What does that mean? He revealed to you. I don't know what that means. You just found it in the Bible. Or did you get an email, a Twitter? No, it's a tweet. Whatever it is, I, I, what is did God have a Facebook page? How many followers did he got on Facebook? See, his enemies, Paul's enemies, claim these things, and Paul says the difference of my apostleship and in the defense of my apostleship will not be built on these visions and revelations. Listen, visions and revelations. Okay, I'm going to call them in one little package. Experiences. All right? Experiences are not repeatable. Experiences are not reproducible. You can't prove it. When a person says, God told me, my first words are, prove it. Prove it. Well, doesn't God talk to you? Only when I read the book. Only when I read the book. 
Oh, God laid this on my heart. Did it hurt? Okay. You know, and I, I, I remember one time, <laughs> I was out in California, and this lady went up to Dr. MacArthur and said, God had given me a song. And without meeting a, missing a beat, he says, he didn't want it anymore. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, there you go. Okay. Listen, anybody and everybody can claim anything. And there's all kinds of visions. There's all kinds of things that I can say have been revealed to me. And you know what? Who's going to know it? How are you going to prove it? See, see that what drives me nuts? We throw this stuff out and everybody goes, wow. Prove it. Show it to me. If one must base their spiritual position, hear me well. If one must base their spiritual position on an unprovable experience, you got a problem. You got a serious problem. Listen, let me tell you something. You guys know that I love history. And uh, I'm doing a lot with church history right now. And and, and I, I, I go all the way back to Acts and then run it through. Okay? And that's part of this thing that I'm doing on postmodernism. So I've spent some, a few thousand years putting this together. <laughs> I'm slow. Okay? There's something I found out. But I go back to the book of Acts and roll straight on through till today. There is a common thread in false gospel. You know what it is? Experience. They all claim an experience. They all claim. It's, it's, here's how it's, you'll hear it now. How did you know you were called? What was the experience, Terry, that says you're the pastor? How do you know you were called? What experience tells you you were called? See what I mean? I wasn't. I was sitting there minding my own business. Paul understood this. To establish his apostleship on something that no one could verify is of what benefit? Because he's already said in 12.1, it's not profitable. It doesn't help. Okay? I went to heaven. I don't know whether it was in the body or in the spirit. God knows. I went to paradise. I don't know whether it was in the body or in the spirit. God knows. I don't know. Okay? But let me ask you a question. What good does that do you? There's a guy right now here in town who's a pastor claimed he went to heaven. And God's sitting back because he had great things that he wanted him to get accomplished. Wow. Aren't you the bee's knees? Do you see what I mean? And everybody's like, wow, that's awesome. No, that's arrogant. And you know what the other thing is? You can't prove it. You can't tell me anything. So what? You went to heaven. There's a book out the guy who went to hell. How do you prove it? 
He smelled like sulfur. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at? I don't care. Listen, if a man says I'm sitting here in my living room and there's a pink elephant sitting in my recliner. Good for you. Can you get a selfie? Then I'll buy it. You see what I'm trying to get at? And yet look at the people today in the evangelical church who are basing their spiritual character on an experience that cannot be verified. How many in the church today are saying, I'm godly because I saw a cloud shaped like Jesus? Those people creep me out anyway. I ain't never seen nothing in a cloud except like an airplane. How many claim mystical experiences and by that is their authority to speak for God? And you know what? When you embrace that, and Paul understood this, if you embrace that, then you open the door to all deceivers. Every one of them can come in and say, I had an experience. Brothers and sisters, when I first started as senior pastor of this church, it was when we were downtown. You cannot believe I had people who wanted to come in and get, this is the terminology they used. I want to share with you my testimony. Okay? The Bible says, share your testimony. All right. But you wouldn't believe the hogwash I heard. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, all right, anyway. If not, act like I didn't say it. Do you see what I mean? I remember a lady one time, she says, it can only be for people 18 and above. Your testimony? No. Okay, if you go look at the biblical definition and use of testimonies, it is to say, this is what God's doing in my life. Not my life. We are all sinners saved by grace. There is no degree of sin. Okay? Lying is as big an abomination as homosexuality. Okay? Sin is sin. It's rebellion against God. If I give you a testimony, let me tell you how God changed things. So Paul placed absolutely no value on experiences. And like I said, when I use the word experiences, I'm saying visions or revelations. He put no, absolutely no value at all on any of them. Even when they were his, he didn't put any value on it. Listen, I don't know about you, but that's kind of important to hear. I don't care what you've seen. I don't care what voices you've heard. It is not proof of anything. And yet you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. Go listen to some people tell you about their salvation experience. You're like, wow, I never had one of those. I still feel like I got cheated in Israel. I mean, eat a blood orange. 
Really? That's it? And smell the Dead Sea. Although, when you're in the Israeli Defense Force, Israeli Army, if you make it to officer, officer, you become an officer, they take you up on top of Masada. Okay? And they raise the Israeli flag. And while they're doing that, you take a vow that Masada will never be repeated. Now, I've seen that. And that was kind of cool. Okay? I wouldn't classify it as an experience. But it was kind of cool. But it's not really proof of anything. Listen, you know what is amazing about this? Paul didn't say that, you know, going to heaven uh, made me closer to God. Paul didn't say, you know, I went to heaven and it made me more spiritual. Paul didn't say, you know, I went to heaven and I'm more knowing now. It didn't make him more godly. But you know what it does? It tends to make him more proud. And when you hear people talking about their experiences, their visions, or their revelations, what are you listening to? Boasting. Boasting. In the verse 6, it will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Listen, Paul says, I want no more credit than what you see in me, and I want not no more credit than what you hear in me. Okay? Now, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I want you to mark that in your Bibles. You can mark it in somebody else's Bible if you want. That is the real test of the spiritual condition. What do you see in them, and what do you hear in them? That's the test. Those who say they are spokesmen of God, those who say they are a man of God or a woman of God, those who say they represent God, those who come with the authority of God, listen to them. Don't tell me about your visions and your experiences. Let me see your life and let me hear your words. A worker approved, rightly dividing truth. You know what? That seems pretty straightforward to me. You know why? If I can see your life and I can hear your words, you know what you just did? You made it verifiable. You have proven your spiritual condition. It is seen. It is heard. I can verify it. What can be seen in their life and heard in their words is proof of who they are. There are so many today in the evangelical church, as we're in Corinth, who suppose they are apostles, who propose that they are prophets. I am a seer of the things of God. And you know what? They want to tell me all about their visions. They want to tell me all about their experiences, all of these great revelations that God has poured upon them. And you know what? You can't prove it. You can't prove it. Let me follow you around and watch your life And let me hear what you say. And let me measure them against the word of a holy God. And then I'll tell you. 
That's why I don't understand why a, a church would hire a pastor who's a stranger. You know, you, you go on whatever the internet job search thing. They got one out for churches that, you know, every once in a while I go over and get a chuckle out of them. You are looking for what? Okay. Why would you want a stranger? That's like getting a doctor and you don't know them. And you know, you, they're going to do um, some surgery on them. You know, I was, I remember Brian Johnson was going in to have knee replacement surgery and we were in the prep area and you know the doctor was in there the surgeon was in there and explaining to Karen and him and this is going to do and this and you'll beat up that and all the rest of it and I'm just sitting there getting ready to pray or something you know and so you know they, they he says you got any more questions and they all just look at him and he looks over at me he says you got any questions <laughs> well, that's stupid <laughs> I said you ever done this before <laughs> and Karen's like what? What? Just curious. Anybody asking you ever done this before? I mean, I want my knee replaced by a cardiologist. You know, tell me this ain't the first one. Right? Well, same thing with the man's going to take care of your soul. You ever done this before? That's the same thing. Listen. I see this today. The issue that was in the Corinthian church is the same today. Listen, visions are not helpful. Experiences are not repeatable. Neither are verifiable. And so how do they assist in anything? They are not worth the least simple, righteous act or word. Okay? Paul is showing who he is by his life. The Lord is saying, okay, if you want your life to really show, to be used for my glory, your real spiritual makeup, your real spiritual condition must be seen. Guess what? Then you must go through suffering. I want to be used by God. Really? then the truth will be shining forth. Listen, you get all of this theology. You do your own Bible studies. You may do daily devotions. You may have been in my classes or my Sunday school classes or under my preaching. Whatever it is, you get all this information. And the question is, you trust it? And we're going to all sit here today and say, well, yeah, why wouldn't we sitting here? Really? What are you going to do when the pressure's on? Then what do you do? And you can sit and tell me. I'd go to prison for you. I'd die for you. And Jesus will say the same words. Satan's asked to sift you. And once you've been restored, you'll be able to strengthen the brethren. Okay? You, you better pay attention to this stuff. Because if you think that, well, I've got this many years of doctrine and I've been in the church this long and I have dealt with this this much and I have done this and this this much, then I'm going to ask you this. Two years, Paul was going from house to house, day and night, teaching these people. And when he left, what happened? And I ain't Paul. Paul. 
Nothing in life is really more effective in revealing a person's spiritual condition before God than trouble. The greater the trouble, the truer the test of the character. Paul is thrown into his deepest pain, his deepest heartache, his deepest sorrow, and therefore is shown to be a man of God. And it is so clear that it is seen by all, and no one can hide it. No one can deny it. What we really are shows up when everything else goes wrong. Think about it. When the enemy has just drove a stake through your heart, he's torn up the most important thing, your most important treasure, wounded you in the most important place. What do you do? To Paul, the most important thing was the truth of the church. The most important thing were the people that he loved, and Satan was tearing that apart. What pain did the Apostle Paul have? Listen. Think about it. It's a perfect environment to find out Paul's spiritual character. Perfect. How did he act? How did he speak in all of this pain? False, as then, as today, want people to think they're spiritual. They want people to think they speak for God, that they come from God. They have great divine authority because of their visions, because of revelations, because of their experiences. God has told me. See how God has prospered my ministry. See how God has made me so popular. Look at the crowds. Okay? Anytime that comes forward... I'm going to tell you two words. Be suspicious. Be suspicious. Real spiritual power. I want you to remember this. Real spiritual power. Real spiritual authority. Integrity. Spiritual integrity. And spiritual character. Spiritual condition. Looks ordinary. Looks weak. And looks unimpressive. But. When you look closely. What you see and what you hear. Is the true evidence of genuine spirituality. I see people all the time want to talk. I want to talk. Let me tell you. Fill in the blank. Oh, whatever. I want to talk. Hear me. Sort of like uh, Elihu, uh, Job's friend. I must finally speak. And he gives this great dissertation that isn't worth the paper that it's written on. Okay? I see this all the time. All the time. And you know what? It's hot air. hot air those who are truly spiritual are very ordinary they're not powerful speakers they're ordinary we must be suspicious of the people that are on parade 
A dear friend of mine who's in glory today had a term that I think was phenomenal. He called them peacocks. Have you ever heard a peacock speak? That's the thing. I, I, my grandma in Kentucky lived around the corner from a lady who raised peacocks. And what a hideous noise. I mean, the first time I thought it was somebody was crushing an infant. Someone just backed over a child. And then you see him strutting around with this big old feathers out. And all of a sudden you hear this high-pitched, and you're like, wow. And so I remember when Henry told me that this young man who was a theologian went walking by, Henry's comment was, a peacock. And all I can think about is that hideous screech that peacocks make. Now, I understand that he was saying, look, he's strutting his stuff, but all I can think about is that noise. You're like, gah. They might be pretty looking, but God, they're awful to listen to. I think that's very appropriate, don't you think? Listen, the real power of God comes through an ordinary package. The real power of God comes through someone when you look at him, you think, how does God work through that? This painful, crushing thorn stake was the perfect thing to show Paul's true character. And you've seen how powerful God was through this earthen vessel. And he's calling to Corinthians, look at my life, listen to my words. When you look at my life and you listen to my words... That is where you make your judgments. The words of a godly man. Remember, he sent these people four letters. This is the fourth letter. He had two years of doctrine going from house to house. And for Paul, he says, there's plenty to see. And for Paul to say, there's plenty that you heard. And you know what? The trouble that I've endured shows the test of my character. Shows my spiritual condition. Because, you know what, Paul, and this was good, because Paul was to show his life before man, show his godliness. And nothing would show it more than the awful suffering that he was enduring at this time in his ministry. He was under awful things, even at the writing of this letter. I mean, just remember, he got run out of Ephesus in a riot. It wasn't like things were getting better. It wasn't just the suffering in Corinth. There's all kinds of things to the point he says, my life is in danger every day. God allows suffering to show our character. To show our spiritual condition. Do we realize this? Hearing the words is one thing. What does the life say in the suffering? What are the words when not preaching? Anybody can act spiritual for a time behind the pulpit. What are they after they walk behind the pulpit? They get out from behind the pulpit. Look at their life when they are suffering. What do they do when they are in trial? What do they do when they are in tribulation? What do they do when there's disappointment? You know what? That shows. That shines through the true spiritual condition. Our trouble will show our spiritual condition. And you know what? Let me tell you something. It's good for every one of us. Because if something 
happens to me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's not that I'm this great man. That's not what I'm saying. But I got news for you. My faith will not save you. My spiritual understanding will not save you. My spiritual experiences will not save you. And when the trials come, and they will, or you're already in them, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, I have people at times says, well, you know, I, I, I need you to pray for me. You know, I pray for everybody in this church every day. One of the nice things about a small church, I can name by name. But people think that for some reason, you know, I'm going in for this test. Pastor, will you pray for me? I don't have a red phone. You have the same access to God that I got. All right. And, and yet you see it over and over again. People say, yeah, call me. I mean, that one guy out of Texas was sending rags out and, and send me a hundred dollar bill and your rag back with your prayer request on it and I'll pray for it. Send it to me for 50. I mean, and I'm sitting there going, well, who's going to buy that? Well, $150,000 later, evidently a few. Listen, the Apostle Paul says here, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Okay? Do you understand that? I don't want to hear about your experiences. I don't care. Because you know what? You can't do it again. And it doesn't prove nothing. Tell me your words. Show me your life. That's all it is. Next week we'll see that God uses suffering in our lives to make us humble. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things that you continue to do in our lives. And Father, I pray. As the Apostle Paul was tested uh, mightily, that, Father, when our tests come, you shine through. Father, let us understand that in our weakness, you are strong. Help us. Help us to move in the strength that is in Christ Jesus. The power of your Spirit, the authority of your Word, to your glory and to your praise. In Christ's name, amen.